evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop, Season 4, Episode 27. Ryland Turner here, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kyle Joseph. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, we got through another episode of Dynamite. This one was an interesting one. Uh, lots to talk about, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, and as always, we start this show the same way every week. It's time for our weekly news segment we like to call the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's a Wednesday Night Roundup. So, we'll start this with an apparent signing. It seems like the kingdom is all elite. Rylan, you've always been higher on the Canelli than I have. Um, talk me through this one. Well, I mean, I, they've been, I mean, since Ring of Honor, uh, you know, almost folded before Tony Khan got involved, uh, they started working with Impact Wrestling over the last year in their, uh, basically their Ring of Honor um, invasion storyline. And I guess somewhere in that time, uh, they have signed with AEW. Um, apparently, the deals are about three-year deals. Not about, but three-year deals. Uh, all for all three. I mean, like, Mike Bennett and, and Maria Kanellis, I've always been high on. Matt Taven um, is always been a guy who I've just, like, I don't see it. But that's just me. Uh, I'm sure there's people out there who enjoy him. Uh, I think they're better as a unit, personally. I've always, I, like, fun fact, the kingdom originally was Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, and Adam Cole. That was Adam Cole's first group before he jumped to the Bullet Club. And uh, it's interesting to see them all under the same banner once again. Um, and it will be interesting to see going forward if there's any sort of, uh, you know, run-ins between the two. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, Maria's a great talker. Uh, I've always thought that Mike Bennett was a good worker, but I just he just never got to that position in WWE. Uh, I think that the, they were they, they, they were almost kind of shot in the foot from the beginning with their angle and going forward uh, it was it was not much better so I, I, I'm happy to see you know uh, wrestlers who are you know talented hands uh, who have families get paid good money to do wrestling so I'm happy to see that yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have too much to say about it. I haven't watched a lot of them wrestling, so I'll wait and see. Reserve judgment. Fair enough. The other news is pretty good news, I think. Uh, it appears that the WWE is getting away from using stipulation-based pay-per-views, and the first casualty of that seems to be Hell in a Cell. Yeah, Hell in a Cell looks like to be... Uh now going forward it's going to be used as a you know big end of the feud type match and they're not it's not going to be simply a time of the year type situation uh which again i agree with you i think that's a positive um and, and i mean given that triple h is one of the guys who has appeared in hell in a cell numerous times and uh it, it, it makes sense yeah he knows how important that match is so, uh, like I said, like I said, I think this is a positive, and it's another positive step for the WWE, who had that has been making uh, several in the last few months. Yeah, I agree. I, I've always felt like this is a stipulation. First of all, what's weird about it is that they had a history at this pay per view of ruining the stipulation between the Braun Strowman failed cash in, uh, the Fiend Seth Rollins debacle. This, I mean, Kyle, we're, we're, we're doing two uh, shows tonight. We're recording two shows in a row. We're going to be talking about Hell in a Cell 2013 for our Halloween edition of the show, um, or for our Wednesday Night Rewind, rather. And um, it, it, that, I feel like at that point, the stipulation had kind of been worn out. It's one of those things that it's... The stipulation is... It's supposed to be a big box where blood feuds get blown off. And the problem is that they keep trying to use it in some for some other reason. Um, in the case that we were talking about, in our Rewind case, which you'll get to hear me talk about CM Punk versus Ryback. Yeah, that's spookiest CM thing CM Punk on and that Ryback <laughs> only but so much had a problem with each other. The feud was really between CM Punk and, and Paul Heyman. Right. So that's ultimately the problem with the 
with the stipulation is the stipulation really only works when you get two guys in there where a feud can't be contained by anything else. And the only reason the cell is sort of a thing is because of the fact that WWE has the weird stipulation with steel cage matches where a cage match ends on with the winner leaving cage. And because otherwise a steel cage would be a perfectly good way to blow off feuds. Right. But I can't remember the last time I watched a cage match that was, you know, where the goal was just to beat up somebody else in a cage. And at least in WWE. Anyway, uh, my food for thought. Let's move on. Um, I think that's all the news we had today, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think the only other piece of news I wanted to get to, we're going to get to later in the show. So, you know what that means, though, Kyle? Uh, you I know think what I do. that means. It, it's time. It's time for Dinner Before Dynamite. Mm. So, sir, what did you eat this evening? I made chili. Oh, big chili guy. Yeah, I made chili and I ate chili. It was very tasty. Ah, excellent. Is I noticed that uh, this week I, I actively think about now what I'm eating on Wednesday nights and making sure I'm not repeating this process too much. I, have you gotten to that point yet, or no, is this like, something you remember as we were recording? Oh, it, no, I, I always know it's coming. So I was I like I wasn't sure. I was planning on making chili this week, and then it's usually dinner for a few days. So the answer, I think, was always going to be chili. It just depended on whether tonight would be the night that I cooked it or if it was an, if it was an earlier this week. So in this case, I, I made it tonight. But I definitely, like, it is interesting that it times out that Wednesdays are the week that, or the day of the week, um, some weeks where I go uh, see my friends and eat, eat chicken wings. So the answer, I feel like the answer is going to be chicken wings a fair amount. Fair enough. But otherwise, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to try to to make myself uh, something decent um, if I'm if I'm sitting down to watch two hours of wrestling. Uh, I had uh, Alfredo with um, air fried chicken fingers chopped up into it. Uh, I was I got real classy. Oh I real classy for this evening. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a. Uh, Quite the quite the um, past specialty right there. Yes, uh, I've been a cook for twelve years, but you'd never know it if you watched me cook my, for myself at home. <laughs> All right, with the dinner out of the way, it's time for the dessert that is this show. Uh, summed up as quickly as I possibly can read it, it's time for the Wednesday night rundown. Blackpool Combat Club opened with a victory over Jericho Appreciation Society. This was Cesaro and Wheeler Yuta picking up the win over Daniel Garcia and Chris Jericho. Brian Danielson had an interview backstage with Renee that was interrupted by Wheeler Yuta and Cesaro. There seems to be some fighting within the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh my goodness. We had a very strange elite video package that seemed to be telling us the Elite was being erased. I'm not entirely sure what that's about. Jericho Appreciation Society followed that up with an odd promo where Chris Jericho accused the Blackpool Combat Club of cheating by not using the bat that he brought. They He then challenged somebody for next week uh, to an ROH title match. We'll figure out who that is next week. Swerve in Our Glory defeated FTR for the number one contendership for the tag titles. They will face the acclaimed at some unknown date. I think it's at full we gear. Briefly, uh, oh, maybe. Okay. We briefly had an interview with Soraya, which was then interrupted by Britt Baker, and Renee cut them both off, and they're going to have a sit-down next week. MJF cut a promo, which was, it was, it was good. We'll talk about that fire. later. Fire! It was fire. <laughs> we'll talk about it. It was good. Um, Warjo had a video package where they talked about uh, the fact that Matt Taven's going to challenge the, uh, for the TNT Championship. 
Brian Danielson defeated Sammy Guevara in a match. We had a promo backstage between Phoenix and Luchasaurus. Orange Cassidy interrupted them, and there's going to be a triple threat for the All-Atlantic Championship next week. Jamie Hayter defeated Riho. Eddie Kingston had a bizarre promo, even for Eddie Kingston standards. We got a Darby Allen video, which was a reminder that uh, grunge music is now 20 years old. Um, it's 30 years old. Over 20. No, sorry, 30 years old, I should say. Uh, over 30 now. Um, Jay Lethal cut a promo. Sanjay Dutt sort of talked as well. And then we had the main event match where John Moxley defeated Penta to defend his championship. And a post-match attack that we will get to later on. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King. Literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram and at spearkingmusic on TikTok. Spearking. Music, media, and production. So, Rylan, let's start with you. Give me some honorable mentions. Okay, so uh, I have the, I have uh, Jake Hager shorts. Uh, the fact that this guy has just embraced purple. I love it. He, I, I really want him to start walking around going, I like these shorts. Um, like this is this guy is so subtle, but has perfect comedic timing. And I think he's been fantastic. Um, Orange Cassidy uh, just materializing in this promo backstage where his uh, title is being argued over. Um, and, you know, obviously making the challenge or, or laying it down or, or whatever. I am Orange Cassidy everything right now. Like his Twitter uh, is fantastic. I'm loving the like. I'm the king of the Atlantic Ocean now. Like this, this he th- he believes that he is command in command of the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Like it's. I think he's just great. Like I love the, the the title going on him was probably the best thing that could happen for it uh, at this point. Um, I had the elite promo, but I had it as a negative. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. I had some stuff with the firm that we're going to talk about more later. And Rio versus Jamie Hayter uh, didn't crack my top five. And uh, simply put, um, they like Kyle and mentioned off air. These women tried their hardest, but this crowd gave two shits about this match. Uh, my only honorable mention is that Orange Cassidy apparently looks at a situation where there's two contenders and instead of saying you guys fight it out and the winner fight me they're like oh I guess I'll fight both of you yeah um that should be interesting next week we'll move on to number or to the top five my number five since your number five will come up later my number five was in fact that Riho versus Jamie Hader match I thought the match was very good it took a little bit to get going as some of these matches have a tendency to do and the crowd did it absolutely no favors but these two women had an excellent match especially the ending sequence was probably the best finishing sequence of the night um, between all the matches, uh, I thought it was it was very good to see them counter back and forth. I thought Rio had showed a lot of fire that um, shows why I'm, I missed seeing her. Mm-hmm. Agreed. She she brought a dynamism to this women's division that you, that not everybody can deliver on. I think like I think Akaro Shida is probably the best sort of all around competitor, but she doesn't quite have she doesn't have Rio's. Uh, High flying ability, certainly. And Jamie Hader um, showed off a lot of power, uh, delivered a, a fairly devastating backbreaker among some other uh, great offense. She picked up the victory, which is good to see her continuing to be strong. I'm ready for her to fight Brit. Yeah. And 
I don't think we need the title to do it. Agreed. 100% agreed. I, I, I'm with you on that. So I, th- like, I think that's the direction that we, we're, we've been teasing going for quite a while. I think that should be the direction going forward. I wouldn't mind that being the match at, at, um, full gear. It's just considering the card, what it's going to be and what the AEW's cards always are. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, is there room for a women's match that isn't for the title? You know, there should be, obviously, but I do wonder if they will put one on. Anyway, um, that's just my thoughts on that. Rylan, um, what was your number four? Uh, Danielson versus Guevara. I thought that these two had a really great match. Um, there was, I, I, I don't know, I these two... I think Danielson, number one, can work with anybody. And Guevara, as much as, you know, the I may not be the biggest fan of the guy personally, goes 100% when he gets in the ring and never stops. And I do love the unit of him and Ty Mello. So, I mean... It, it, it was a, as soon as this match was announced last week, I was like, this is going to be a banger. I thought a lot of the matches on this card tonight were bangers, but like uh, this one was one of the ones that stood out for sure. So this match for me, I didn't have it on my top five. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. These two obviously have great, have very good chemistry. They have uh, very alternating styles, but they're sort of able to take each other's offense. Uh, Brian can do all of the stuff to sell high flying offense. He took, both Spanish flies very well. And Guevara has the um, ability to sell the the submission offense really well. He sells LaBelle Lock excellently. The Romero especially was selling that too. Yeah. Which, yeah, I thought this was a very, very good match. The thing for me that kept it off the list, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I feel like Guevara should have gotten the win. And I know it's weird given the backstage circumstances, but I feel like we're telling a story here about Brian Danielson and the Blackpool Combat Club that they're just not committing to. Yeah, that I do agree with. There's something that this this storyline needs something more to it, and I'm interested to see where it's going to go, but you got to catch me now because eventually I'm just going to be like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and that's sort of the thing is that it would have been interesting if Wheeler Yuta's picking up these wins and Cesaro, you know, they they won a tag match and here's Brian Danielson on this losing streak. That's an interesting story you can tell. But just having him beat Sammy Guevara and having, you know, them sweep through the Jericho Appreciation Society today... It because it doesn't feel like it's over, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I want this to be over, but it's the feud yeah. has been going quite a while, right? So like we we we've we've done blood and guts, we've done uh, plenty of matches with these guys, and it's been a long time. It's the thing with the Jericho stable feuds is they go, they almost extend their welcome. It was the same yeah, thing I felt I, about I, with with the elite. I I feel the same way. Um, and it's a shame because in, in the interim, they've been having some really, really great matches. Chris Jericho's match with Dalton Castle last week was fantastic. And I feel like I, I want just let him tell that story. Yeah, agreed. Anyway. Um, I'm not going to be leading this for a little while because my stuff keeps coming up with your stuff. Um, my number four is your number three, so let's get to that. Uh, Moxley versus Penta. Great match. I, I do have one grape with this match, though. And, and you know, I don't know if I'm just, you know, picking at it, but, like, we already have the match. We, we And last week we announced MJF versus Moxley at the pay-per-view. Uh, for the title. I just, why is Moxley defending the title beforehand? Like, I feel like a match like Penta, like, I want some, I, I want to be able to believe that Penta could beat him. And I just, that's the only thing I had is this whole match. I'm like, okay, well, when's Moxley come going over? You know what I mean? Or, or what shenanigans are going to get this match kicked out, even though it's AEW and that doesn't happen very often. That That's what I was expecting because of the fact that we already have this match decided. Like, that's just me, but otherwise, these two killed it. 
I will say this. Uh, I agree with you. I do think that the the match's finale was already uh, a foregone conclusion, and so it kind of does lower the stakes quite a bit, which I, do, I agree. It, it did lower the, the quality of the match for me, too. I feel like this seemed like an ap- almost like an apology for the Hangman page match getting thrown out, but I will say this. Given what happened at the end of the show, which I think we'll talk about next, um, I'm hoping what this means is Moxley doesn't have another match before Full Gear, and that the focus of this rivalry can flip to MJF. Yeah, sure. And if you want to go into that, by all means. So in the post-match, they had already teased during MJF's promo that there was some uh, friction between him and the... Now I'm trying to remember the name of the group. I just had it written. I should have the written firm. it down. The Firm, yes. Uh, Stokely Hathaway's collective of individuals. And so they teased uh, some issues with The Firm. And ultimately, he fired The Firm. And The Firm turned on him and beat him down. So it does appear that the direction that we're going in is that MJF is going to have to fight off The Firm before he gets to Moxley. And I think that's a good story. I think MJF having to come from fight from underneath is a, a different story than we've ever had him do before. I think there's a lot of interesting matches. I think the, the first one, I think, is going to be Ethan Page. But then, you know, you get a similar story to when what, you know, what Cody had to do to get to fight MJF. Uh, he had to go through Wardlow. Well, if MJF wants to get to Moxley, he's going to have to go through W. Morrissey. I think there's there's something there. Do you think that there's any chance that this is a swerve? Maybe. I I can't tell what I just I, if it is, if it is, if it is, I'm going to be pissed off because they put MJF through a fucking table. Yeah. What is he supposed to do? Get on TV and be like, "Yeah, I told him to do that, man. Table bumps are actually easy." No. Like, no, I think I, like you, again, if this is if we are teasing this only to have it be a nah, nah, I did it, whatever. I just, I don't know if, um, I don't know if we can go back to heal MJF that quickly and have it not be go away heat. Right. Because I think the fans are ready to cheer him. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, I and, and that was evident and something we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the fans are ready to cheer him and I think we need to, we need to embrace that. I don't know how long this babyface run is going to be. If it even needs to be that long, I think it, I think it can be. Uh, it can sort of when it, once it's run its course and it's clear that it's run its course, you can do whatever you want with it. But for right now, you strike while the iron is hot. And right now, MJF as a babyface is clearly the direction we want to go. Right. So, Rowan, we are in the situation again where my number three is your number two. So why don't we talk about your uh, your number two? Um, FDR versus Swerve in our glory. This was as expected because we've got two great teams here. Uh, FDR being the tag team of the year and Swerve in our glory. I feel like in conversation, in conversation for tag team of the year, there was one bad spot in this match. It was one bad spot and it was simply just a miss. Like the uh the superplex to keith lee and then cash wheeler comes off the top for the splash and completely misses keith lee on the ground and the announcers oh, no, tried he, to cover it up and going oh he, he hit, him, hit, in hit him in the back he just okay because when they did the replay they did not show the landing oh yeah so i assumed he missed no, he completely did, he did hit him in the back it's just when he did the superplex he couldn't get it all the like he, he couldn't flip him all the way over okay so when they tried to time it out, he he didn't have time to like flip to his front to take it, and yeah, I think the commentators did a good job sort of covering for this, for this. But you know, ultimately, right. I think it was fine. Um, the spot of this match was Keith Lee jumping over those two guys while while they were doing the running yes. ropes. Yes. Um, I will say this match was fantastic for me. The thing that held it back for me was. The gun club, like, feuding with FTR, make them feel like such an afterthought. And <sighs> the problem is, I don't want to see this make it to a pay-per-view. Right. 
but I feel like the gun club are owed that. I'm not sure what direction we go here. I guess it's going to have to be for the ROH titles. I, I could also see a fatal four-way tag for the AEW tag titles. Maybe. And I think that's more interesting than, than adding another tag title match onto full gear. Because we're already going to have, obviously, the... I feel like we're going to have the trios titles defended uh, and the tag team titles defended. So you might as well throw, throw a couple other teams in there and make it like a uh, spectacle of a match. Because these they always are when we have matches like this in AEW. I agree. I agree. That, that, that I think that makes sense to me. Anyway, we'll move along. My number two was your number five. Um... Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't think this is a better match than Swerve versus FTR. Uh, it, it was a very good match and a great way to open the show. But I will say this. That Cesaro ending sequence was just peak Cesaro. It was fantastic. Or, sorry, I should say Claudio. Yeah. I should say Claudio Castanoli. Uh, he was very, very good. He beat, he beat up every member of JAS and then pinned... He pinned Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Like, that's yeah. a rare loss for Chris Jericho. Yes, especially, especially since this run he's been on. Yes, absolutely. And I, and yeah, despite the fact that he claimed it is a dirty loss, um, um, it was clean as a whistle. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I love this match. It was it, it was it was my number five, but it just based on how many other great matches were on this card. Uh, we got the return of William Regal flirting with Excalibur uh, during this match, calling him a creme brulee that he just wanted to snap open uh, or crack open or whatever. Um, and, and and just Taz and Tony melt all over him. Yes, I was. It was when he said, "Let it melt all over me." At the which that was the point where Taz and Shivani had had enough. <laughs> but mo- more, more of yes. this. I've been missing this for the last few weeks, unless I've just missed it on commentary. But no, this uh, was great. No, to have. I, I think I've again. It's good to see it back. Uh, yes. Man with the mask. If there are not, if AEW is not selling Man with the Mask uh, Valentine's cards after all of this, it's, you're missing out. Yes, absolutely. Especially with all the quotes he's come up with, like you could you could make some hilarious Valentine's cards. You absolutely could. But no, I, I love this match. I love that Jericho, or I love that Claudio got the pin on Jericho. And like you, you said, like this guy was the hundred percent. And Wheeler Yuta, Yuta was getting great chance from this crowd. He was over, very over. Oh yeah, yeah. The crowd loved Wheeler Yuta, and it was really, it was a great match to see. It's again, it's interesting to see Blackpool Combat Club coming out ahead in this in this direction, which I thought was going to lead to something, but instead it led to them being locked in the back, which is why they didn't come and save John Moxley. Yep. They were locked in the back. Yep. As you are. This is the... Uh, I will say this. Wrestling companies need to employ... Uh, empl- or need to have wire cutters on hand more often. <laughs> Because this seems to be a problem. Like, this is a problem. We were talking about war games. This happened at a war games where um, they padlocked the the war games cage and had to try to rescue. I, I feel like you just need you know, in case of emergency, you need some wire cutters. Absolutely, I always have them on hand. Rylan, well, that was my number two. Hit me with your number one. This MJF promo, man, like last week was fantastic. He is fantastic. Like every time he gets a microphone, he's fantastic. But the setting was him being interviewed by Renee Paquette, just alive on the stage. And this crowd wanted he's got like the rock vibes right now for me. He's obviously not fully a baby face because he he makes his little comments and whatever, but he almost fully went baby face this week because I don't think he was going to be able to fight this crowd. And I think that they're obviously they want to see what kind of reactions they can get with him. But this guy was fan fucking tastic. Fantastic. Um, making it like talking about his match coming up with John Boxley and saying, with all due respect, I don't remember what he said after that, but Renee, uh, come piping up and going, uh, he said that John, he said that John Moxley was mid. Yes. Right. Okay. Fine. And also his Moxley impression gold. It was gold. 
It was it was very good. Uh, but yeah, Renee Renee came back at him saying that you can't just say with all due respect and then say something mean. Uh, to which he replied, "With all due respect, Renee, shut your mouth." Yes. Um, which again. I am a huge Renee fan, but M- MJF uh, is is delivering some some pretty great great promo material right now. This is the second week in a row that a promo was my number one. It's the second week in a row it was involving around MJF. Man, I hope this guy kills it at the pay per view. Like I really, I'm I very this, excited for this match. For me, this promo was not like it was a very good promo, but it is. Um, it's just more, it's more building and it felt a little out of place given that there was a title match tonight. Again, it's one of those things where they're, you're trying to promote a match that we know is coming, but you have to get through something else. And just in case we got, like, he didn't even really mention Penta and it was a whole thing, but right. I, I will also say, um, to me, I thought the more care, interesting character building stuff came after uh, the show, or came in the post match of that of that main event, because that's that's more that that to me is more building towards a direction. Whereas the promo was good, it just didn't really go. It didn't take us anywhere, right? Um, my number one is I think it's the first time we've had a number one that was a negative, right? We've had negative ones before, but the number one that was a negative. I know you wanted to talk about this. Um, the elite video package where we're showing the elite being disappeared. Like they're, they're showing a bunch of highlights of these guys and they're being erased from, from, uh, from the video package. And the, 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 and then they even like they erased the logo at the end of it. Um, I, I don't, so here's my problem. My problem is two or threefold. One, it was clearly Elite was going to come back, but they still haven't said anything about what went on, about how it got resolved, about what led to the decision to bring these guys back, about what's going on with CM Punk, about any of this stuff, or like, you know, who was involved, why, why we did this, and why the decisions were made to, to go forward. It just seems like Tony Khan's going to just sort of pretend that this never happened, but it's still, and that's the thing. It's not like he's even doing that because this seems to be a direction of, oh, we we know what happened. It's a thing happened, and now they're going to be back, and they're probably going to address it in some sort of tongue-in-cheek way that doesn't move anything or that doesn't make anything better. Uh, like being the elite has been off uh, the air for this entire time without explanation. I. So here, so here's how I sort of feel about this. Is one, I think I'll let you talk more about this because I think this is a longer conversation. If this is the end of CM Punk's run in AEW, I mean, it was a heck of a year, but what a disappointing way to go out. I agree. I agree, and and uh, I know that there are people who are on both sides of this. There are people who are like, well, he's always been an asshole, and he just proved it, and now he's gone, so whatever. He's going to tuck his tail between his legs and go home. And there's people who are like, there, there's people who have, you know, both in and out of the business that talk about the Bucks and how they they have always been assholes and they have their they play with their friends and and whatever and and you have but I and I I feel like I try and sit somewhere in the middle because I like everybody here right like I'm a punk fan I'm a Bucks fan I'm an Omega fan but it just bothers me that we're we're getting this kind of like a I don't know. When I saw that promo this week, I was just like, or that promo pack or video package, rather, I was just kind of bothered by it, considering that we now know, or it's now being reported that CM Punk is negotiating a buyout of his contract from AEW. And uh, I mean, there has been like tiny, tiny, tiny rumors that Triple H might be interested in bringing him back over there. Apparently, the big hang up in their negotiations is a a non-compete. Um 
Which again, I, I think before I read anything about Triple H being, you know, softened his stance on CM Punk, I, <laughs> I would have guessed anyway that considering that those two have never liked each other, that Punk wasn't interested in going back. So like, it just seems like a time. I mean, I know that's how Tony's doing things and, and whatever, but I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird hangup. Regardless, though, I agree with you. It is a disappointment because I feel like again. It, what this big thing comes down to for me is there they, you could have done something with this. You, be grown-ups. Everyone, be grown-ups. Sit down. Talk to each other. I understand that we're in a business of egos and we're in a business of, yeah, sorry, inflated egos. And, and we're in a business that, you know, these things happen quite a bit. Uh, and and it, unfortunately, AEW has kind of been a hotbed for it lately. Um but it just it pisses me off. It pisses me off that we're CM Punk and and like you know what I, I I know that a lot of people don't like hearing this bit, but CM Punk was their biggest draw. CM Punk did get them to a mil, two million dollar uh, gates, two pay per views in a row. So it's disappointing in that aspect too because I feel like there's money left. Not only is there money left on the table for uh, a program between all of these guys, there's also money left on the table for everyone else working on this roster that was would benefit from them being able to do stuff like that with big draws like CM Punk. And I know, and also for, you know, I, I feel bad for the guys who worked with Punk and enjoyed working with Punk. You know, let's let's not forget that we had guys like Will Hobbs talk about how he's been nothing but fantastic to him. And a bunch of the other young guys who were there, Lee Moriarty, same, same deal. Uh, they've all said nothing but positive things about him. So, I don't know. I just, the way that they shaped this whole elite return, like... It just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I, I don't know. If you want to continue or go a little bit more on this, like, I just, I don't know. It, I, I'm left bothered by this. Oh, I, I've always been on team. Everybody needs to grow up. I'm, I'm still of the opinion that we need to get into a room and sit down and talk this out. And yes, that includes Colt Cabana. And yes, if that's a red flag for somebody, that should have been addressed before that person came into the company. Yep. It is wild to me that you thought that you could bring these two into the same locker room, address nothing, and think that nothing would come of it. It is, but it is telling of the size of this locker room, which has never felt like it a huge problem until right now, where there are people who seemingly want an opportunity but just aren't really getting one. Like Miro comes to mind as a huge one, yep. where the he seemingly wants the opportunity but just isn't really getting one for no apparent reason, and. So the big problem is right now that Tony Khan has collected his his toy chest of toys, and I don't blame him for signing a lot of the people that he signed because when he, when WWE released a lot of these people, they were bona fide stars in waiting. Alistair Black, Andrade, Miro, you know, you don't watch that talent just sort of you know slip through your fingertips, right? But then. Uh, the funny thing happened was all AEW started building up these stars of their own. You had Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs, Britt Baker. You know, a, a lot of big names starting to come up um, who had never been on major shows. In addition to the people who were um, who were already stars, but just you know waiting for the opportunity. Kenny Omega obviously was already a star, but had never been a star on you know United States national TV before. Same thing with the Young Bucks. Same thing with you know Cody to a lesser degree. R like right. I feel like we had a lot. We had a situation where WWE released a few too many or released a lot of people, and I don't blame. AEW for snapping all of them up, or Adam Cole is another one that comes to mind, and Cesaro is another one that comes to mind. But there comes a point where you have to make the decision as to where everybody is on the card and what that means for everybody. And yeah, some of this feels like it needs to be a brand split, but the other problem is it feels like you get some stories going and it means that, that for months at a time, some people get left out of the shuffle and 
for people as talented as some of those people are, it just feels kind of wrong. I feel like, to me, there's a lot of options that you could do. You have, you know, you have Rampage, which is another opportunity for a lot of, for people to get onto where you can rotate people on. So people, you know, if you appear on Dynamite, you're not going to appear on Rampage that week. Uh, however you, like, however it happens to work. Um, you also have the opportunity to give people breaks. Give people a couple months off. Let them recover from just the wear and tear of of everyday wrestling. Tell all the wrestlers, guess what? You get two months every year where you get to take that month off. And, like, if there's storylines, if there's belts, it's going to mean you're going to have to drop your belt before that. But you have the opportunity to take, you know, give, a mu- give you know, however much notice, and you can take a month uh, to do whatever you want. And... If that means you want to go, you know, tour the indies, if that means you want to take time off for vacation, whatever you want to do, you got to go or you can go do it, whatever. We have enough people to cover for you. Like there's a lot of ways, different creative solutions you could do to fill that that time instead of. And then we get to the situation where we get the pay-per-view and I don't want to cut any matches, but 13 is too many. A four and a half hour pay-per-view is too long. Agreed. Agreed. And, and it, you you really felt it on the last pay per view. Like all out was yeah. was oh, yeah. hard. It was a hard, and not to say that the, it was a great show, but it was a long show. And they need to get away from doing. I understand you only have four a year, but they don't need to be four five hour shows. If you watch the buy in, one hundred percent. And yeah, it's it's a shame for some of the people who. Who aren't going to get those those opportunities because you know, like Eddie Kingston, we saw on TV today. Where has he been? Uh, dark. He's been on dark. <laughs> and exactly, and that's the thing is, Eddie Kingston's not a dark guy. Like, I think these people can wrestle on dark, and I think they ought to to you know to help you know bring up the help bring up um, the ratings on, on the YouTube show. But moreover. Because you want those experienced people working with the the new people coming into the company. Right. You want a nice, a safe set of hands that can give them a, they give them a showcase for a little bit of offense and then to basically sell that dominant figure's offense for a while. But ultimately, you need to, and again, Kip Sabian's out here telling a story for a year. And he's been, was on TV once, mm-hmm. yep. and not even in a match. Yep. He had he's the had match in the buy-in. Yeah, that's right. He did. It 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 blows my mind that you have all this talent here, and I understand like the inclination would be to release some of the people, and they could do that. That is definitely an option that W their AEW could go down is release some talent. I don't think they necessarily need to. I just think they need to find a better way to spread the love a little bit. Mm-hmm. And part of that could be, you know what? You get some time off to do other stuff. You get some time off to be with your families. You know? A lot of the... the especially the veteran wrestlers. They've got, you know, other stuff going on. Let them let them enjoy that part of their lives and then come back after a while. Like, after a storyline where somebody gets defeated for the titles, you can have those people off for a while. Yeah. It, it makes sense to. Yeah. Don't, they don't need to come back right away. If you want to do, like, a rematch or whatever, however you want to do it, there's different ways to do stories. But I think, for me, the big thing is you have a roster large enough to cover gaps. So... If the suspensions told me nothing, it told me that you could give a bunch of people some time off and the show will go on. And I feel like for, for, especially for a roster with, you know, with a lot of, of veteran wrestlers who have families and, and, you know, lives outside of the business, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, like all of these, you know, a lot of these guys have, have that. Give them some time off. Let them do other stuff, however you want to do it, and then let them come back to that huge ovation that they can get. If you if we miss people, we'll be excited to see them. 
I miss I, the Elite. I'm going to be excited to see them. I miss Miro. Make me miss some people. Make me miss John Moxley. I miss Miro so much. I miss Miro so much. Also, and I can't believe I have to say this, hire CJ Perry. Yeah. What is taking so long? I don't know. I don't Hire CJ Perry, make her Miro's manager and let Miro go on a run. She she was doing some TV stuff. Like she just she's uh, going to be on this season's uh, revi- or on the revival of the surreal life. Yeah, I know, but even she said she's waiting for a call. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, the stories of the stories that I've heard, she did an interview this week where she was talking about her and Dennis Rodman uh on that show together and i'm just like those are two people i need more of in my life together <laughs> dennis rodman and cj perry but yeah i uh, like for me that that's the big one and then the other thing that you can do with that with giving people time off is then the people who are there you can promise more spotlight to yeah agreed so you get into a situation where you have a guy as talented as Buddy Matthews, you want to do something with him, now you don't have all this glut of people that you need to pay attention to, you can give them some time away to do stuff. Also, they could do other stuff in the company, too. Like, you could give John Moxley time to be a trainer if that's what he wants to do. Or you could put Chris Jericho on commentary for two months. Like, there's lots of options that you have. You don't have to, like, send them away, but... Not again. Not everybody needs to be here at all times, and I I feel like this was true for WWE back in the time uh, back in the day too. Now I think they thinned out their roster to the point where I'm not sure how they would do it. But AEW has this larger roster, doesn't have as much TV time. Make use of it. Give them give them the opportunity to do other stuff. Also, the added benefit of. Like AEW people showing up in other promotions has only been a benefit to AEW's to make it look like AEW is really this dominant force in wrestling right now. Yeah, because it's awesome to see John Moxley show up for a GCW show. It's awesome to see the New Japan Tag Titles held by FTR. Like you know, that's what I'm saying. Agreed. I, I 100% agree. And the other thing is, if you don't want to do that. Especially with New Japan, you could loan some of these people to these companies too. Mm-hmm. Excursions. Yeah, I think hopefully ROH gets a, t- a TV show, and that will help alleviate some of this. But I still think that even in lieu of that, there's still a way to make all this work. So that's my number one. Is and it's a bit of a downer, but it's I feel like we're in a place right now where I'm really starting to miss some people and. This elite thing feels so tongue-in-cheek where it didn't need to. And I don't know where they're going with this, and I don't like it, really. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you for different reasons, but I'm especially with you on be- that. Yeah, but especially because it's like... But the big thing about it is that like these are real people's lives. Like, I don't want to see Punk get fired. Yeah. You know? Like, even... Personal distaste um, aside, CM Punk being on the show was better for for AEW. Was better for business. Was better for for everything ha- going on. And it is unfortunate that <sighs> egos got in the way, and it is frustrating that that is the case. But that's something that and I think you've talked about this a lot. That's on Tony Khan and on management to manage that. And I feel like the big thing right now seems to be there's only so much time for people to get. And we need to, you know, get more time for everybody. Well, you can't. There's not, like, time is your limiting resource right now. Is you only have three hours of, of network television every week. Right. And that's not a bad thing. Like, three hours is plenty. It just means that you have to be... Um, you have to be careful as to how you dole it out, and you have to then take the opportunity to let people, you know, tell them, we don't have anything for you for the next three months. You're free to sort of do whatever you want. You can build up drama. When you get back, this is what we've got planned. Right. Anyway, that's sort of my thoughts. Kyle, what what do you give this edition of Dynamite? Um, three and a half. 
it was a good show. The matches were all very good, and uh, the promos were a bit... Some of them were a bit off, but MJF's was certainly solid, and I like the direction that we're going with the firm, and I do think there's something interesting going on with the Blackpool Combat Club. I'm just... I feel like they're they're trying to tell the story, but then keep them winning. I, it doesn't... The dissension doesn't make as much sense if they're all succeeding. That's 100% fair, and I know something I never thought about going into this show. I'm also going to give it a 3.5. Uh, we've The last, what, two or three weeks, we've been, we've been really handing out the fives, so uh, the fall from grace has happened. <laughs> um, but it's okay, because uh, we're going to be back next week, and next week looks like a pretty decent show. So we are two weeks away, ladies and gentlemen, from Kyle hosting this show with dot 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 because i will be taking a week <laughs> off in two weeks um I'm, I'm excited to hear what kyle does i'm excited to see if he remembers to do dinner before dynamite um i'm gonna be on the phone i'm gonna be texting him that that, that night going don't you fucking forget that segment <laughs> <laughs> um, all right um, Rylan, With all that being said, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to this show uh, where to find us on the social media? All right, let's talk some social medias. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at WNWallop. Instagram, WNWallop. Facebook, Wednesday Night Wallop. Search that. Our names, Rylan, Kyle. That's us. Come chat with us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do that at LeregendaryKJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. With all that being said, Kyle, send those fine folks who listen to this show every week home happy. Well, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the end every single week. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much, and you have been walloped. Good night! You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.